We're skipping over the, the little phrase, he ascended into heaven, uh, because the fact that he ascends into heaven, he ascends to heaven in order to judge, uh, to return, to judge the living and the dead, and because we're going to deal more with what it means that he ascended into heaven on Ascension Day, or the Sunday closest to Ascension Day, coming up soon. So we've arrived at Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 19, concerning the phrase, he comes to judge the living and the dead. We're going to have that on our screen. It consists of three questions and answers. I'm going to be concentrating in our teaching on the third one in spe uh, specifically, but let's read all three. Uh, I will ask a question. You can respond. Why is it added and sits at the right hand of God? How does the glory of Christ our head benefit us? this one. What comfort is it to you that Christ will come to judge the living and the dead? to start off the teaching on this particular Lord's Day by asking you uh, this question. When you think about the Lord coming to judge you, how does that make you feel? How does it make you feel that the Lord will come to judge the living and the dead? I think for many of us, or perhaps, perhaps not many, but some of us, and certainly many people throughout church history, the idea of the judgment of God has made us feel perhaps a little fear, a little uncertainty, perhaps a little bit concerned. We're going to sing a hymn at the end of uh, this teaching, which uh, has this verse in it, as we see on the screen. Day, yep. Day of judgment, day of wonders, hark the trumpet's awesome sound. Louder than a thousand thunders shakes the vast creation round. How the summons will the sinner's heart confound or confuse. They'll be confounded. That, that there's something about judgment that makes us feel mm, not too confident. But the Lord's Day that we have in front of us in the question says, how does the fact that, that Christ comes to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In order, it says that this phrase in the Apostles' Creed should bring feelings of comfort or knowledge of assurance, that you ought to be comforted by this, not confounded by it. And so that's what I'd like to bring out from this section of the teaching on the Apostles' Creed. There are, uh, there are lots of different ideas floating in the broader Christian world of what the judgment will be like. And so we're not going to get into a, a real long-winded explanation of what will happen when Christ returns. 
but we do, do need to know some particulars about what it means that God will, will judge us. And a lot of the popular conceptions are based on Revelation 20, where it says that the books will be opened, right? which Christians have often explained as the consciences will be opened. And so there's a popular Christian idea that what will happen at the end of times is that in some, some mysterious way, we'll stand, you sort of God will stand up here and then the books will be opened and there will be an investigation and uh, looking at the evidence of your life and that then that will be weighed and it will be determined at that moment if indeed you will be saved or not be saved and then a verdict will be declared and then that's, that's what the judgment will be. And so that people then come before the judgment throne of God with some, some angst, with some anxiety, with some confusion about, okay, what's going to happen? What, what is the verdict going to be? I'm going to hope for the best. That is not a Christian understanding. That's not what the Christian church has taught throughout history. That is not how the Christian church has understood this phrase in the Apostles' Creed about the Lord coming to judge the living and the dead. We need to... We need to understand that um, the Bible doesn't teach us that there is a need that at the final judgment that the Lord is going to now investigate things and look through the book and, you know, and, and then somebody's going to give a defense of their actions and plead their case and then finally maybe if the judge, the father is convinced of something that then the verdict is going to be this way or it's going to be that way. That is not what the Bible teaches. The final judgment, the Christian understanding, is not... The, that there is going to be an, a verdict discovered, but that the final judgment is more to be understood as a proclamation or an announcement by Jesus concerning the final state of every person. That it is an announcement, a public announcement, not after weighing all kinds of evidence. In a couple of texts to think about as they appear on the screen. Matthew 12, 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak of. Uh, they speak, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Matthew 16, 26. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of the Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. John 5. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You could also think of the, the parable of the sheep and the goats where the Lord just separates people. This is, you can understand how in, in, the, in a popular conception you could be like, oh, it sounds like we're just going to weigh the evidence and see where they're going to go. But if you understand that in terms of the simply a, a proclamation that the Lord separates people, the Lord says these people go to everlasting life, these people go to everlasting damnation, that it is a public declaration, not a drawn-out court case where evidence is weighed. It is a, an announcement that is made, a public declaration that is made. And it does also, that public declaration does indeed have something to do with works. The declaration will be made in a way that honors the Lord our God. He will judge the wicked in a way that shows, brings God glory by showing his justice. And he will judge the righteous in a way that brings God glory by showing his mercy. So let's... let's uh, Think about what that means in the terms of the judgment of what the Bible calls the wicked, those who do not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the, the, the wicked come before the throne of God when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. It's not a moment where the Lord says, hmm, let's figure out if you're wicked or righteous. It's not like, well, let's weigh the evidence and come up with a verdict. All people are born sinful, guilty of Adam's sin by nature, objects of wrath, Ephesians 3.3. 3. 
we confess in the Belgian Confession that original sin is so vile and abominable in the sight of God that it is sufficient to condemn the human race. In other words, just being born human in original sin makes you deserving of judgment. But before the throne of God, the wicked are not condemned on the basis of original sin. That's important to know. They're not condemned on the basis of original sin. The wicked are condemned on the basis of their personal sins. Some texts, 1 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. John 3.36, whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. In John 8.24, if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you indeed will die in your sins. So the the declaration of the condemnation of the wicked is based on their sinful works. You could say it this way, that it is by the personal conscious acts of rebellion that the unsaved procure their own destruction. You're not based, judged based on original sin, you're based on, uh, judged on the way that you have procured judgment upon yourself through your conscious acts of rebellion. The wicked the Belgian Confession says, will be judged on the basis of their con the testimony of their consciousness based on what they have done. The Heidelberg Catechism in our Lord's Day says he will cast all his enemies into everlasting condemnation. And so when the wicked appear before the throne of God, it's not that God's going to say, well, I don't know what the verdict is yet. Let me try to weigh the evidence. The wicked appear before the throne of Christ when they are judged, and the Lord makes a declaration concerning what he already knows of them. It is a public announcement of judgment. And so if you are an unbeliever, then judgment ought to be accompanied by the sentiment, the feeling of fear. Not so the believer. So we do, or we're going to sing in the hymn this, these words here, as we see on the screen. At his call, the dead awaken, rise to life from earth and sea. All the evildoers, shaken by his looks, prepare to flee. Careless sinner, what will then become of thee? That's the declaration of judgment over the wicked. What about for the righteous? Here we find and confess that it is entirely different. That the judgment of Christ, the coming of Christ to judge the living and dead, is something that brings the believer comfort. And why? Because it is Jesus that will judge you. It's Jesus that will judge the living and the dead. That makes all of the difference if you know who the judge is. Here's some more texts. Matthew 25, 31. Jesus told his disciples when he comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on the glorious throne. John 5, the father judges no one but has assigned all judgment to the son. Acts 10, God appointed Jesus as judge of the living and the dead. And then in our Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day, in all my sorrow and persecution, I lift up my head and eagerly await as judge from heaven the very same person who before has submitted himself to the judgment of God for my sake and has removed all the curse from me. See, the Catechism says that for the believer, the judgment, of the coming of Christ in judgment is something we eagerly await. That's the opposite of fear. We eagerly await and we find comfort because he who is going to make the public declaration concerning eternity, concerning us, is the same person who has already died for us. The one who is going to judge you and declare 
His pronouncement upon you concerning everlasting life is the same one who has already died. You can say it this way. You will see a judge who bears the scars which he procure, uh, with which he uh, bears the scars with which he saved you from your sins. You will face a judge who has the scars on his hands and feet that show proof that he has saved you from judgment. The judge is Jesus. 1 John 4, 17. So we have it on the screen. We may have confidence for the day of judgment. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Or as we're going to sing in the hymn, see the judge on our screen. See the judge our nature wearing, clothed in majesty divine. You who long for his appearing shall, then shall say, this God is mine. Gracious Savior, own me in that day as thine. So you could put it this way. The verdict of the last judgment for the righteous will be the same as the verdict of the cross. The verdict of the last judgment for the believer will be the same as the verdict for the cross. Jesus took your judgment upon himself to declare you righteous. At the cross, there has been a public announcement that the believer is justified at the final judgment, it'll be the same announcement. The same announcement, a public declaration of what has already happened at the cross. There will be no court case. There won't be a wane of evidence to see whether or not you can make it. There will be a declaration of what has already happened at the cross. That Christ has taken your judgment and that you are righteous. That you already have eternal life in him. And so we sing in the hymn this, this verse as it's on the screen. But to those who have confessed, loved, and served the Lord below, he will say, come near you, blessed. See the kingdom I bestow. You forever shall my love and glory know. That's what's going to happen. That's something to eagerly await, and it's something to be comforted by. Now you might ask, well then, what about the opening of the books? What about works? Is there something about works in terms of the believer? And the answer to that is yes. The believer also in the judgment, will, that judgment will, will be related to works. The works of the unbeliever will condemn them. But when God uh, opens the books for, for believers, it's an entirely different story. When he opens the books for unbelievers, you hear the great refrain of heaven in, in Revelation 19, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. But when the book is open for believers... Well, then what's on the pages of the books is that all of your sins have been covered and erased in the blood of the Lamb. They're all covered. And instead, the only ones that are there is the list of all the good works that you've done in your life that the Lord allowed you to accomplish by the grace of his Holy Spirit. Proof that you are indeed saved, that in Jesus Christ, by his grace, he has allowed you to do these things and that you're worthy to be honored and crowned in glory. And so the great multitude of heaven will sing, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the Lamb. Is, uh, the, the Lord has, the Lamb has come and his bride has been made ready for her. It was granted for her to, be cl to clothe herself with fine linen, linen, bright and pure, the righteous deeds of the saints. So believer, 
Don't be afraid of the final judgment. Confess that he comes to judge the living and the dead, that he will open the books and they will show all of your misdeeds covered in the blood of Christ, and they'll show all of your good works that by God's grace he allowed you to do, and the Lord will simply publicly declare what he already has declared on the cross, that you are forgiven, that you are saved, that you are loved, and that you are welcomed into eternity with him. And so that should fill us with comfort. It should make us even eagerly await it. It certainly should make us zealous for good deeds and good works and fight against sin in our life, knowing that our sins will indeed be erased and that we will be showed publicly to be children of God also by our works. He will come to judge the living and the dead. Brothers and sisters, find here your comfort as you confess your undoubted Catholic and Christian faith. And all God's people said, Come, Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, Father in heaven, we don't want to believe or do anything unique as Christians. Lord, we want to believe and do what the apostolic church of all times and places has always believed and done. So we pray that you would work true faith in our hearts, a discerning understanding also of what the judgment means for us who believe, and that you would comfort us in Jesus Christ, who indeed has ascended into heaven, you who sit at the right hand of the Father, and you who will return to judge the living and the dead. Amen.